You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Alga. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors and writers and directors and producers and casting directors and agents and managers and filmmakers and personal finance gurus and personal organizers and voiceover artists. And you get the idea. Pretty much anybody <laughs> at all involved with the entertainment industry, every facet we, we try to cover. And, uh, and then we package those interviews up into this podcast and deliver it to you weekly via the internet, via iTunes on the internet, for free. How awesome is that? Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. <laughs> and uh, as you've heard us say many times before, we are just two dudes with a podcast. We don't pretend to know everything there is to know about the entertainment industry. I don't know that there ever could be such a person to know everything there is to know about the entertainment industry. So if you've got questions, comments, concerns, predictions, reservations, relevations, elevations, I could go on bribes. to other shuns. Bribes. B- bribes. bribes. <laughs> Please do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. That's right. And on today's episode, we have the third and final part of our chat with Bla- uh, Blake Robbins and Armin Shimmerman. Blake is a filmmaker, an actor and a filmmaker. Uh, and Armin is a, an actor and director from Deep Space Nine. I think that's pretty much what he's most no, well known for. He played Quark on Deep Space Nine, so it was really cool to have him here. I grew up watching that show, and so hearing his voice was a little bit of a trip. And he even brought his, uh, I don't know if we talked about this in the actual interview, but he brought the teeth in that he used to wear for his character on Star what? Trek. What? Yeah, it was really nuts. Anyway, <laughs> so it's cool, and we really focus on uh, on Armin's journey for this uh, this chunk of the interview. So make sure you guys stick around for that. Hello everyone, happy Tuesday. Hey everybody. Someday, welcome to August. Gosh, this year is going by so fast. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, maybe we talked about this recently, somebody said something about accelerated time recently to me. Have you heard of this concept? I think it's bullshit, (laughs) but it's it's just like, you know, ancient prediction that time will speed up as we get closer to some sort of, you know singularity or something like that oh i've always heard of like time going faster the older you get yeah that's i think that's what is actually happening but people in california (laughs) like to think about it as like this becoming thing that's happening i don't know i i I don't know the only the only theory i subscribe to is the theory of relativity Mm -hmm. around time because that's been proven yeah but it weirds me out if you're moving at a certain speed like time actually slows down for you mm-hmm. is what it is you know yeah. like so i don't know that trips me out i don't even want to let's not t- you're little, still you, it's still the same time for you as it is for <laughs> me right trevor a little bit of a noodle bag there <laughs> yeah. um so uh, before we jump into our catch-up we have a thank you yes we do uh we have a new patron to thank sarah you know who you are thank you so much for your support 
Um, it's really awesome. Patronage. Patronage. Yes. <laughs> Patronage. Uh, thank you so much. It, it, you know, everybody knows that's been listening to this podcast for a long time that we are listener supported and that that's really what keeps the wheels going around on this thing. And having a patron is a really great way for us to kind of be able to predict the kind of expenses that we can deal with as we build our team and replace our equipment and things like that. Uh, you know, upgrade some of our, our stuff, like our website, for instance, is, is, uh, is in, in process, but, uh, it's good to be able to kind of budget for these things. So it's really great to have listeners supporting our work on a recurring basis. So Sarah, thank you. What's going on, man? How was your week? Uh, it was. Did a, you act it your was, face off? It was an interesting week, man. I mean, you know, I won't go into it, but you know what happened this past week in my household. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, it was interesting. We are uh, in transition here at yes. my place in Culver City. Um, I won't go into it, but it was it was a uh, it was a bummer and a surprise and uh, many different things. And that really took up the bulk of my attention this week. You also like, I feel like turned it into, and maybe it's just the, all the work that we've been doing, but it seems like you instantly turned it into a lesson. You know what I mean? Like you turn it into this thing of like, well, you know, if I, if I, if I was forced to move to another country or if I was, uh, if oh, I yeah. was, you know, paralyzed or if I was killed or if I was put in jails, like what difference would I want to make? you know, today and today and today and today. Yeah. Yeah. It got, it got me thinking about, um, uh, you know, freedom of choice really. It got me thinking about that and like how blessed we are to have that. And if, if that were to end like an hour from now, you know, what, what, like basically like how, how have you used your freedom of choice to create goodness in the world and in your life and create, you know, whatever kind of legacy you, want to create it, it just it really kind of you know there's a lesson in everything and i really just kind of came face to face with it this week as as i was um experiencing some of these things i was like wow this is something that's really just such a wonderful thing to have in our lives a lot of people around the world don't have that i, yeah. I sound like somebody's parent right now but like you know it's really <laughs> it's really it really like it really hit me i was like oh my god we are lucky to be american <laughs> you know you are somebody's parent. I know. I will be someday. Yeah, you're I hope I'm not right now. <laughs> Girl in every port, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, people people look to you for guidance. That's a parental thing. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I didn't know. Really? <laughs> you know what will freak you out that I did this week around that same topic? Why? Take the number 100, uh, subtract your age from it, okay, and then multiply it by 365. 24,820. That's how many days you have left. No. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I did that this week. I did it this week. I came. I mean, you know, we're around the same age, so, so I came up with a similar number. It's around so 25,000 days. Assuming that you live to 100. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ish. You know, it's like yeah. average lifespan, whatever, like of, well, of an American. Speaking of being grateful to be an American, like, you know, yeah. we do yeah. have a, a, a very long expected lifespan, but... Yeah, you just take, you know, 100 years old, m- subtract your age, multiply it by 365 days for those years. Yeah, and that's what you That's got. about how much time you've got left on, you know, on the planet. Jeez. So I saw that number. I was like, wow, 25,000, you know, ish days. I think when I was 25, 26. Minutes? Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, it's not <laughs> It's not a rent song. I'm not going to... What is it with us in musicals lately? Um, I don't know. But yeah, that, that, that really tripped me out. I was like, 
Oh wow. man, what am I doing with today and today and today? Like I was saying before. Yeah, every once in a while I'll have those those like pull out, and I don't do a fifty thousand foot view. I do like a fifty thousand mile view, and I think like, wow, like what if the sun burned out? Like you know, it like well, what was the purpose of my time here on this planet? Like it's just you get really kind of macro with it, and you just sometimes I just get to that place, and I think. Wow. Wow. You know, like we're here. We mm-hmm. don't really know why, but I, we kind of do, but it's, it's a trip, man. So that's will interesting. 24,820 days left. All right. Ish. Give or take. Yeah. Give or take. And what are you going to do with them? Senor? I'm going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, what's new in your world this week? Yeah. Dude? Okay, now divide by 90, and that's how many <laughs> yeah. times you can get to yeah. your yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> come on. You got the bump iron. You read my mind, oh. man. Uh, <laughs> divide by 90. Oh, man. What's new in your world, dude? Uh, I had a couple of auditions this week. One was for a low-budget horror feature. Nice. Um, which, you know, I think the secret to those auditions, and I think I completely failed, is to be able to do that whole, like, oh, my God, look at that thing that's over there, but that's not really over there because I'm in an audition room and not on set. Uh-huh. Like, uh Like, right, kind of freaking right. out about... I was I, I walked out of that audition, and I was like, that, that audition was quick. What worked and what didn't work? And... I think what didn't work was just not. I, I got it. I don't think I had the reaction to the scary thing down very well. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Oh, I man, guess don't you, you get love to those. Do, we've talked about this in, in like green screen yeah. world, like yeah. being able to react to something that's not there. But yeah, it was. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then I had an audition for an equity play. Awesome. Uh, it was really interesting, actually. It was the role that I auditioned for. Uh, um, Neil Simon wrote this trilogy of plays. I think I may. Even made it my pick of the week at one point. He made uh, this trilogy of plays: Brighton Beach Memoirs, Biloxi Blues, and Broadway Bound. They're all B alliterations. I talked about this a couple of episodes ago, I think, because I got the audition. Anyway, uh, I auditioned for the same role that I played in high school in a different play in the trilogy. Oh, how cool! So it was kind of bizarre there. That's really um, cool. And then I got a I got a callback for that uh, that musical that I auditioned for. That I talked yeah, about before yeah. the Heather's yeah thing. And you you <clears throat> felt really good about that original meeting, didn't you? I did feel yeah. really good about that original meeting. My second interview. There you go. There, there you, go. you go. Yeah. <clears throat> My second interview next week. Which uh-huh. I'm very excited about. They sent me uh, a song from the show and some more sides, and they might be rewriting the sides, so I might, I might get more sides. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. That's and, awesome. Uh, and like I said before, you know, the people that are involved with that are like the original producers, yeah. I think, of the film, and like it's being cast by TV casting directors and stuff. So it's a very, um, even though it's you know, quote unquote, just a workshop musical, like doing stuff like this. You know, people are going to see it. People mm-hmm. are going to see it. And it could lead to other things. You know, if they decide that I'm great in the role and they want to, you know, take it to other bigger theaters and do like a full-on, because this is a workshop, they want to do a full-on production or something. This is how things end up going to Broadway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. N- knock on wood. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, exciting week as far as that goes. Um, That's really cool. And when it rains, it pours. I've, I've been noticing, like, I don't know what I did in terms of putting something out into the universe, like I'm ready for work. But I got not only all these auditions, I also got um, all these opportunities to work in my my personal business, my my computer 
consulting business that I started and mm-hmm. um, got an opportunity to bring my leadership skills that I've been building over the last year and a half to bear because I was asked to, to facilitate a corporate training for the first time. Yeah, that's so really like, cool. All this stuff like came into my world all at once and it made for a crazy week, but it was fun at the same time. That's you know? great, man. I'm so yeah. glad to hear it. I'm so glad to hear it. And I really do think that it's kind of like the universe responds based on how we, this is going to sound super not profound coming out of my mouth right now, but it responds on how we show up. But I guess what I mean that is like energetically as well. Mm. Like it's like, as soon as we start to demonstrate that we're capable, something shifts cosmically. I really believe that, you know, a lot of people will think it's just, Oh, it's just the way you're looking at it. You know, it's actually it could be explained by this and this scientifically, but I really do get the sense that it's like when it rains, it pours. It's because there was a shift in you, the person, you mm-hmm. know, uh, for better or worse sometimes. Yeah. That's sometimes true. when stuff just starts happening, that's crappy. It's like, well, <laughs> what was the shift internally that, that invited this? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes shit just happens, but generally speaking, you know. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, right on, dude. Well, I'm glad to hear you're busy, especially in a time of the year that is notoriously slow. Unbusy. For, yeah, <laughs> notoriously unbusy for most actors. So that's really good to hear. Yeah. We've got a bunch of emails and a couple of voicemails. We're going to save one of the voicemails for a future episode. But thank you so much for being in touch with the podcast, everyone. Um, our first thing we're going to crack on today here is the... Uh, a voicemail from a listener named Renee. Hey, Trevor and AJ. Uh, this is Renee Michelle Brunet. Uh, I live in New York City, and uh, I have a question for you guys. Um, I have been listening to your podcast for a while, and I love it, and I get a lot of inspiration from it. And um, my question is this. So I went on an audition last night for the first time in about a month, and um I was filling out the information, you know, how they ask you to fill out the calendar. And I was looking at it, and I have so many responsibilities throughout the week with my rival jobs, not to say mm-hmm. that they aren't flexible. Been there. But uh, I was just Did curious um, about how other people fill that out, because once I looked at the grid, it was like <laughs> I looked like I was completely unavailable. Yeah. When in reality, if I were to get cast in something, I would make that thing my first priority. So my question is, like, how would you guys go about that? And um, what what do other people do? Awesome. Uh, wow, good question. Because um, I know we, you know, we both <clears throat> dealt with this. I think every actor does. A- a- any actor who's not just just acting for their for their bread and butter, yeah, goes yeah. in, sees that conflict sheet, and starts like, sweating. Crap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I my experience with it has been, you know, like most of this, a lot of the theater I've done, not most, but a good chunk of it has been with kind of people that I know, like through the ensemble. And so it's, we all kind of have known, understood each other's situations and knew the uh, boundaries and the flexibility and things like that. So I actually haven't had a ton of experience with strangers um, and my schedule and like explaining to them my flexibility and where those kind of edges lie. So what has this been like for you? Some people have, you know, evening jobs and people have daytime jobs. And if you have a daytime job and you're doing like equity waiver, it makes it a little bit easier because usually they rehearse on nights and weekends. Yeah. I've done shows not with the ensemble. So I guess with strangers that were either non-paying or low-paying 
gigs, you don't really sign a contract. You know, you don't really sign an equity contract, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I guess this isn't just for theater, but it's for film and television. The difference is that with film and television, you don't fill out a conflict sheet. Yeah. You know. You just shoot when they're ready. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It either is or it is not. Yeah. Um, and I think that's 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 an important thing to note because that's the kind of mentality I think that we get to have. If it's equity waiver, that's a different thing. That's that's like you can you can put as many conflicts down as you want because you know either they're going to cast you or they're not. And if something comes up when you're in the middle of it, you could be it could be the night before opening night, and you don't have an understudy. If you book something like a like a like a like a feature or paid gig or some kind of television, whatever it is, I I don't care what it is. And it's that day, it's opening night. You're doing that job. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I get it. Like there's loyalty, like people are probably going to get like, we're going to get letters (laughs) about this, but you're doing that job because you're an actor and that's what you get paid to do. And that's going to support you in your career. There's nothing, you know, plus it's like the responsibility of the the theater to, to have an understudy. I've done equity waiver theater where I had an understudy. It's like, not only am I not getting paid, but there's somebody, quote unquote, shadowing me, and they're not getting paid either, or at least not very much. So I think what it comes down to, honestly, is pri- like priorities and mm-hmm. and being very clear on what it is that you want. Because I always think back to, what was it, episode 11 or whatever, Porter Kelly, mm-hmm. where she told that story about how she got an audition, yeah. told her temp job or whatever, like... I have an audition and they were like, well, you can't go. And she said, okay. And she went back to her desk and just started packing her things. Yeah. And they were like, what are you doing? She's like, well, not letting me go to an audition is not going to work for me. Yeah. And she just left. Like, that's amazing. And it's, it's so, it's something that so many actors I feel like don't have the cojones to do. They just don't have the balls to do that. But if you're really clear on what it is that you're here to create, and I mean like on planet earth to do, if you're really clear that you're here to be an actor, then be an actor. And so what I will typically, t- to, to point blank answer her question, Renee, what I will typically do on my conflict sheet is write, uh, none that I know of, please check with my manager. Because it, it takes, the, it takes the, the, the responsibility off of me. The actor allows me to just focus on what I'm there to do. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being responsible in my relationship with my rep- representation, they know where I'm going to be at all times, right? So I, I book out when I'm going out of town or, if, you know, um, if if there's a job that I've already booked, they obviously she has the dates anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and pretty much everything, we have an agreement that pretty much everything is negotiable. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, <clears throat> if I have a date set to go out of town on vacation, and a big audition comes up, I'm likely to cancel that vacation. You know, now you get to live a life. I'm not saying don't live. I've talked about that before on the podcast too, but it's, it's about priority. You know, it's about making, if this is your number one priority or if it's in the top three, meaning your acting career, then you get to treat it as such trust that the universe will provide, you know? Yeah. I like that being able to kind of, you know, um, say check with my manager because it, it shows it, it paints you in a certain light as an actor. And it also gives your manager, your team an opportunity to do what they're being paid to do, Mm -hmm. which is negotiate on your behalf. That's, that's really a huge chunk of their job. Um, and so, so I guess that's awesome if you have that. And if you don't have a manager, uh, and you're just kind of like, maybe, maybe you're an unrepresented talent. Um, what would you suggest there? 
I don't know. Maybe you could be cheeky about it and write, you know, everything's negotiable. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, I, you, you don't want to get too deeply into story, but, but the thing is, is like, if, unless you're leaving town, have another acting gig, <clears throat> if this is a paid, if it's a paid acting gig, if, if, if you're right, filling out a conflict sheet for a paid acting gig, then really you don't have any conflicts. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah. Because like, I, I like, I don't care how good that restaurant job is, you know, um, or like the dog walking, like find somebody else, find somebody else to walk your dogs and, and either have people cover your shifts, work something out with your manager at that, at that restaurant, um, or find another restaurant gig. You know, I like, I I hope I'm not sounding harsh, but the thing is, is like, what I'm saying is in everything is in support of, you know, our vision of creating our, our career as an actor. And it's so easy to flip that around to get mixed up and be like, well, I do need to eat this week, you know, and you flip it around and don't have faith that you will find a way otherwise. Yeah. If you just so like kind of put your acting career slightly on the back burner for a second, it becomes this habitual thing that you don't even recognize mm-hmm. starts happening. Yeah. And then it becomes, yeah, less, less, less of a priority than other things yeah. in your life. Years later you wake up and you're like, Oh, I just been waiting tables for the past four years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it's something sucks. that, yeah, it's something that in conversation with my manager, a switch actually flipped rather recently where I was like, wow, I've been prioritizing everything but this hmm. and not realizing it getting scared that I was going to like, you know, book something because it would come into conflict with other things in my life. It's like that putting that energy out is ridiculous. Yeah. And as soon as I turned that, that that's honestly when a lot of stuff started picking up with like booking the features and stuff. I just turned that around. I was like, no, 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 no. This is my priority. You know? So I, I had plans with some mutual friends of ours to play, uh, to play board games or whatever the other night, I think it was last night. Yeah, and uh, an opportunity came up to get in front of a casting director, and I took it because that's what I'm here to do. I'm an yeah, actor, yeah. you know, and I I missed my friends, and I would have loved to have had that experience, and it would have been a ton of fun. But I'm here. I'm here to act. Yeah, that's why I'm yeah. here. You know, you're being clear with your friends. You know, like what your purpose is, and if they're good friends, they get it. Yeah, they're As, probably in the same situation half right. the time anyway themselves. Right. As soon as yeah. I found out, I sent them a message saying, yeah, opportunity came up and I will you know, I won't be able to be there. So, yeah. and that's, it goes the same for your job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So I guess, you know, like if in a case, like, let's just assume this is unpaid theater work and you do have to kind of negotiate your conflicts. I would probably say, um, put down all those conflicts, maybe with an asterisk saying they're flexible and I'd love to talk about it, um, further if we need to. Cause every time I've done that and I've been like, I've gone like, I'm thinking for group, the musical I did a couple of years ago, I put down just a ton of conflicts and they, they liked me for one of the roles and they just said, okay, so what can we work out? Yeah. And that was, that's where it starts, you know? And that's, yep. it wasn't a big deal. I said, well, what do you guys need? And then we worked around that. And I think there's only like one day a week that I couldn't make a rehearsal. And that was fine because I wasn't like, I didn't have to be at every rehearsal. Right. So a lot of times it works out great. And if they want you, then, then Trust me, they'll find a way to yeah. work with you. Yeah, that's the other thing too. They're they're not like you know people that can't bend at all. Yeah, you know. So, yep. Uh, thanks for the great question, Renee. And uh, awesome to hear your voice. Renee was in my uh, Insanity Challenge group a little while ago. What? One of the very first ones I did. I've learned a lot since then, but uh, it was really fun <clears throat> to have her in the group. That's awesome. 
We also have uh, an email we wanted to get to from two emails actually. Uh, one from Michael, which is an update. Michael um, was on the podcast maybe like a dozen episodes ago, and mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple of different things that we talked about regarding his situation. But um, he basically was contemplating moving to Seattle from LA, and he decided to go ahead and, and take the plunge, and he did it, and he's been there since March. And uh, about a month after he moved there, he sought out an agent. And a week after he sent his headshots to that agent, he had responses from three... I'm sorry, to agencies. A week after he sent his headshots to agencies, he had responses from three different agencies, signed with one of the top ones in Seattle, and a week later had his first audition. And he said, in his own words, quote, it has been nonstop since. Um, he said he's even been to Portland for an audition for a major TV show that he got a call back from. He's booked voiceover work, two industrials, a play. He said it's not as, it's not the most fruitful his career's ever been, but it just in the four months he's been there, he's had more auditions, opportunities, bookings, and networked, uh, network opportunities than he ever had in his six years, uh, pursuing his career in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've heard this a number of times from different people, not necessarily on the podcast, but one of our mutual friends, Mike LaRose from Apple. Do you remember oh, him? yeah. Yes. He moved out to New York. And I remember he emailed me a few months after he was there. And, and he just said, uh, he said, dude, this is amazing. You got to you gotta move out to New York. It's great. It's nonstop. Tons of work. Very different from LA. And, uh, you know, it's something to consider. Um. I, I wonder, I, I would actually, after I read this email, it made me want to put it out to, I mean, I know we, we say this from time to time, but I, I really would like to hear from more people in, in minor markets. Yeah. You know, we've got, yeah. we've got a, a voicemail from somebody from Wichita coming up on, on next week's episode. And in general, just wondering what people's experiences are, especially, especially if they've done the Michael thing where they go from, you know, Hollywood the Super Bowl of that the of Super Bowl, acting, yeah. you know, to a smaller market. And, you know, he even says like he did it. We talked about this before, but he did it to spend more time with his kid. And he's had like the opportunity to do that. And he said he's been loving it. Yeah. So it just it makes me curious, like how how that goes for people. Like, I wonder, for instance, if part of his success has been based on the fact that they looked at his experiences and his credits and went, oh, this guy's already played in the Super Bowl. He's here in the small market. Let's bring him in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when he yeah. went in for his interview with this top agent, I'm guessing it came up. What are you doing here? <laughs> I wanted to spend more time with my son. That's a human being sitting across from me. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he was probably super genuine, nothing to lose, like really comfortable, easygoing. And of course, we want to work with this guy. Of yeah. course, we want him on our roster. Of course, we want him on our team. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm making up this fantasy about <laughs> how Michael's booking up in Seattle. But <laughs> yeah, well, I bet there's some truth to that. I mean, it's and it's really good to hear that that he's kind of found a really great win-win situation for himself. Yeah. You know? And and what's really cool about this is in the, a little bit later in the email, he shares a lesson that he's learned kind of from this whole experience, and he basically oh, right. says that uh, the lessons he's learned is that no matter how small of a market you're in always be professional and i'm quoting his email now the people on the other side of the camera slash mic are professionals as well and appreciate professionalism from actors no matter where you are pursuing your career if you feel stuck in your small town acting scene embrace it work hard train learn build the resume be patient because when the time comes to do something bigger you'll be ready and you will amaze others with your talent um 
I mean, amen, dude. There's nothing I can add to that. Seriously. <laughs> he's got it uh he's got it down. You're very eloquent, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> very eloquent. Yeah. Third co host? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Be- better said than us. Yeah. So congratulations, Michael. And it's so cool to get these kind of updates from from people. I really I just I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um thank you so much for sharing that with us and uh any other listeners out there who've had some some awesome things happen you know let us know we have time for this other this other email we do let's uh awesome. let's touch okay. on it real fast yeah cool so we got a, a several emails actually from a listener named uh, justin uh thank you for being in touch i i'm actually in the middle of drafting a response to this question but we also get to talk about it on the podcast so that's awesome so very specific question, but I, I love that it came from a very specific experience. So Justin went and had a, a, a meeting with, I think, his agent and heard from this person that... He's in Dallas, by the way, we should say. He's in a also kind of a minor also market. Also in a minor market, yes. So uh, that may actually skew this opinion one minor-ish. way or another because yeah. uh, we haven't necessarily heard of this same thing around Los Angeles, but he said that casting directors uh, no longer want to see demo reels with made-up pieces on them, Uh, you know, custom scenes that actors sometimes invent with or without the help of others for the purposes of adding footage to their reels. We've talked about this on the podcast. We even had, you know, um, Miguel Miguel on to talk about it. To add footage to their reels if they don't have sufficient or any footage of actual product uh, projects she said that uh, casting directors don't like to see it because they want to see they want to be able to match the real clip with something on your resume and know that you went through the casting process in order to book that right did you have any thoughts on this well i get i get that there's a couple um real creation demo scene company whatever's out there that that do work that i think is kind of subpar i think it looks like the actor paid somebody to yeah shoot the scene for them and then it's clearly like they haven't built up the skill set to be booking work and so they kind of fabricated this thing and it just, it just becomes it's obvious to me as as somebody who's seen a ton of reels when that is happening. So yeah, I, I get that, that if that's like the common thing in Dallas, then I get why cast directors are like, no, thank you. We yeah. want to see real stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's easy to tell the difference, but in LA, you know, you look at somebody like Miguel's company, rapid reels, they do amazing work. There's a couple companies out here. David Haverty's company does really good work. Um, they do, they do great stuff and it's almost like you can't tell the difference. And if, in that case, if you're, if the purpose of a demo reel is to show people that, that a, what you look like, b what you sound like on camera and then see that you can act, then what's the difference? My experience with casting directors in LA has been that they don't have time to match up the clips in your reel to your, to your resume. <laughs> that's a good, um, that's a good point. Only if it's super obvious. And in LA, if it's super obvious that you paid for it and you didn't actually book the work, then they're just not going to call you in. They're not gonna, you know, it's 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 like or, just or they they still might if you're that good, like you know, I, I think it I think it has to do with like well, what, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying is you have, if you haven't built up that skill set yet, then they probably just will right, yeah. right. Like if it looks like crap or you can't act, then of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I, I the other thing I would add to that, and you know, I want to defer to your experience a lot here because you do so much editing, um, is n- to not label the clips like a lot of people do hmm. on the reel. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Where they yeah. say like such and such from like CBS or such and such independent film or such, you know, it's like the, the title and then like a description underneath just don't include that. Yeah. In there. I, I've heard both <clears throat> ways. And I actually, in my most recent cut of my reel, I did label it mm-hmm. uh, just because I guess the conversation I was having with myself was that like, 
it, it almost lends a certain quality of a subliminal quality of like credits on a, the opening of a TV show. And oh, for some okay, reason, yeah. I, when I was watching my reel without it, I just thought, I think these need to be here. Interesting. And I've never thought that before. And so I just went with it. And when they're, now that they're there, I actually look at it. I'm like, yeah, I think that that's good. Even though I very rarely see it and I wouldn't recommend it all the time. I did it for mine, so I just I'm a don't big know. hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just don't know how one would label like something from a mate, unless you like, n- you know, called it something, like named it as if it was a short film. Yeah, you know? and, and there was a direct, a legit direct. Like mine is just the name of the project and then the director. Oh, okay, which is cool because you know I have like Mark Gant directed one of my things, and right. a lot of people know Mark, so it's, right. it's right. nice to see yeah, that. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. Like, you know, if 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 you if if it's a high quality you know, real creation, um, system, product, company, whatever it is, you know, it's going to be like shooting a short film. So like, why isn't that a legit credit? You know what I mean? Like, like one thing I would caution people on is like you, I don't think you still have this clip on there, but you used to have a clip on your reel that was from a play the the script was from a play, but you just shot it with like a friend. Oh, of yours it was a student something? film, yeah, it's a student thesis thing or something. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, but it was from a it was from a play, which is not yeah. you know, which I don't think has ever been turned into a movie. And even if it had, you weren't actually in that movie, <laughs> right, right? You know, so that yeah. that can be kind of dangerous, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but if it's like a made up scene and like you know the the people hired writers or you hired a writer or you wrote it yourself or something and it's high quality, like. Why not? Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah. Use your best judgment. You know, like really, like make sure you you have make sure you have high standards. Look around at other reels and see what you like, what you don't like, and what sells to you, and what doesn't sell to you, what doesn't read, and then just go with your judgment. I think it's really great. the best way to do it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess that's our as thorough as we can be with that one. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you, Justin, so much for the question. Justin also uh, sent in a few other questions that we're gonna make sure we get to on future episodes as well. So yeah. awesome. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the interview. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, part three of Trevor's interview with Blake and Armin coming at you right now. Most people know of me from my TV work, but uh, I have an enormous background in the theater. Uh, Blake and I met doing theater at the Black Dahlia in Los Angeles. Yeah, we had a stage moment in our play. I don't think you were on stage for it when one actor was supposed to arrive yes, with a letter exactly, to read exactly. and hadn't put the letter into that's his right, pocket and right. literally said, I left the letter in the car and <laughs> ran off stage. Right. And we all stood there. <laughs> I so. think I said, how far do you think the car is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things happen in live theater. In live theater, anything can happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, awesome. and you and you just yeah. live with it. Uh, and it's it's a it's one of the most fearful moments I can think of, which is very comparable to doing improv in, in front of a movie camera. Uh, oh, wow. Is that terrifying? No, it's very terrifying. You handled it so well. Uh, yeah, but I <laughs> wow. terrified, terrified. Yeah. I'm, I am a stage actor, therefore I... I believe the that the the words are the primary source. That we are, the the playwright is the primary artist. Actors are the are the interpreters of of that primary art, and and I've I've I'm very happy with that situation. I believe in that situation. So the idea of taking the words out of my mouth 
and 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 making me the the primary word creator that's very terrifying to me. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I. Hmm. I'm trying to think of how I can phrase this question because I I I'm in your in your estimation how important or why is it important for actors to have a solid grounding in theater and live theater it I, isn't. I can never seem to articulate it I was going to say it isn't it either isn't. it isn't it isn't it's, it's, it's it a isn't. personal choice it's a personal choice hmm. yeah if you have no desire to be in the theater there's no reason if you want to do film and TV, there's no reason in the world why you should do theater. It, it, theater gives you a discipline, and, and that's helpful, but I've been around too long to see people with no discipline, no background in the theater, do incredible work. So it, it's a personal choice. I, I like that choice. Blake likes that choice. You like that choice. I think you should do what you love. Do what I you mean, love. That's, uh-huh. that, that's where you take care of yourself, right? And we're in a business where so... It, it seems like it's easy to believe that everyone else has the power, <laughs> but one of the ways you get it back is you do what you love. Wow. And, and, yeah. and somewhere have the ability yeah. to say no. The, the ability to say, you know what, that's great, I don't want to do that. Uh-huh. And, and yes, you have to perhaps be in a certain situation, but on the other hand, I've seen it too many times where a person with no power whatsoever has heard a project, and although it, it would pay the rent, it would give them a, a very, very big credit on their resume. They have known themselves, and I have great respect for this. They have said, no, no, sorry. Wow. Wow. So what was the transition like for you? going? Huge. I mean, going from stage to your TV work. Like, yeah, it's what, huge. How did that happen? Um, I'm a over actor to begin with, so, uh, so on, on stage it works great. I'm very comfortable on stage because I know that I don't have to, I don't have to play down what I'm thinking or doing. But I learned. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, one of my first recurring roles, I think, it was my first recurring role, was on a very theatrical show called Beauty and the Beast, and um, working with a lot of theater actors, and. And watching their work, I learned to mute, mute everything down, mute the volume of the voice, the the ability, my reactions in my face. That this is, I learned to do less because my particular face, my particular persona, my particular way of looking at work tends to be a little bit large, and that's a that's just a touch too large for a TV camera. So I learned to bring it down. But that took a number of years, not only of study, but of also practice. Mm. It's one thing mm. to know it. It's another thing to do it. Mm. Yeah, I, mm. I, I think I have the opposite thing. I bring, mm. I bring to stage a naturalism, yes, which sometimes, uh, you, you know, it depends on the piece. And the, and the, and, and Blake doesn't much, need to, to, <laughs> to, to mute anything. Uh, he He's is pretty so, muted. He is so... <laughs> comfortable on stage. I remember the first day of rehearsal of the play we were doing, I went home and told my wife, there's a guy there, he doesn't need any rehearsal. He just <laughs> is already. He just mm. is. Mm. And that was Blake, yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that because I wasn't there with he and his wife Good. and they had Thank a conversation. But, but, <laughs> the uh, dogs were, though. They, they, they heard it, so. But now, now, now it's here for everyone to have heard. Oh, I'm awesome. flattered. Wow. Um, yeah, I think you have to know yourself. There, there, there is a trust. I, I, I will say to Armin's, uh, 
you know, for him to describe himself like that and for me to know that my preference as a filmmaker and what I look for in film is just a rock solid dropped in truthfulness. And that's what I work to in collaboration with the artists I'm working with, you know, as a director and as an actor. And it's what I'm so proud of in our film because we had to go to hyper reality. I mean, I felt like for the film, the size of it, the approach, the way we're going to make it, it had to feel more real. In fact, I showed some of the other actors, not Armin, but I showed a couple of the other actors that came from L.A. some of the footage of the film before they started working because I wanted them to see that if they acted, they were going to get blown out of the water by what the locals and my kids were doing. And are I those just, your kids in the film, by the way? Yeah, those are my kids okay. in the film. Oh, they, they are really we incredible. I did see that. And, and, I, and I just... I wanted them to know what the playing field was for this film. It was just any artifice was going to resonate and, and, and read as, oh, okay, here's where the real people are and here's where the performance is. Right. Uh, right. Well, Armin just uh, couldn't be more believable in the role, more dropped in, more, I mean, more natural. So, so he has, in my estimation, succeeded at doing – uh, you know, way over here, what he describes as more uh, animated, more, you know, theatrical, and just the most sublime, to use the title, <laughs> of the movie, yeah, dropped in. And beautiful. And beautiful. And, and beautiful performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a credit you, to him. It, and, and, it, it, and it, I think, is a huge amount of just doing it and, and learning yourself and trusting yourself. Hmm. Yeah, there is that. I mean, the more, like anything else, the more you do it, hopefully the better you get and the more you trust yourself. And uh, th- that's a learning experience, you know. The, the the joke is the actor who says, "Oh, I finally know how to do this," and then they drop dead. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, right. So I know we I know we have a lot of listeners, and I everybody's journey is different. Um, but I know we have a lot of listeners um, who are doing a lot of theater and student films and things like that, and feel like they've got a good handle on that phase of their career, who want to make the jump to. Television. It's difficult. So, what was it like for you? What 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 events brought you from from the, the work you were doing on stage into this recurring role on TV, and then eventually your role, your big roles, including Deep Space Nine? Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's you know. It's not like I planned it. It's not like I. I you know stayed work home the system. Worked the system. Yeah. Um, opportunity one, meets opportunity luck. Meets luck. L- luck is the one thing I've learned when I when I speak to younger actors. Um, it, it's to embrace the idea that you, you must you must make yourself as good an actor as you can, but then you just have to leave it to fortune and to luck. When luck opens the door. You have to be prepared to take advantage of the opportunity, but the door doesn't open without luck. And there's nothing really. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back a second. In years past, there was nothing you could do to force luck to show its hand. What Blake and other young um, filmmakers are doing, which wasn't available to me when I was their age is how to make luck happen, is to do your work, as, as he said so beautifully, just do what you love to do. You do that, and, and, and it's no, it becomes less a question of luck because you have something that you've done that you can show people and they can look at and say, as, as Blake, Blake's journey is showing now, 
is that you know what I really like that I want to be involved I want to give you an mm. opportunity mm. Um, when yeah. I was in my 20s and 30s uh, and just starting my career that was impossible to do you couldn't that, that was a daydream that, that people had but no one could accomplish that unless unless you were a billionaire son or, or your last name was Fonda or something right but you have to trust your luck I find yes, the you difference. Have you have to trust that there's going to be a luck. I, I, for a long time, I was the guy who just worked. I was just gonna. I was gonna outmuscle this. I was gonna work mm. harder, lift heavier, run harder, run through more brick walls. A certain level, and I, I got to say, it was a certain. Um, you know, that's only. <laughs> there's, you know, it's yin yang, or you know, it, mm. I, all that force is only one part of the equation. On some level, things didn't happen for me. That luck, as you would call it, that serendipity didn't happen until I said, oh, you know what? There is a time and a place to stop working, to stop muscling it, to stop and trust that there will be luck and providence and good fortune mm-hmm. and allow. You know, you, mm-hmm. can't, you can't just wrestle to death any problem. I've done a lot of that. But there's something equally powerful, which is, hey, just let it go. Just just be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to trust mm-hmm. that. It doesn't mean that it always happens. But you do have to trust it because you can't muscle it because you'll just get in your own way. You, 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 you should do your homework, absolutely, and you should take advantage of opportunities when they're on the horizon if you can. But it, it, Blake's right. You just have to let go sometimes and say, Let's see what the gods have in store for me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that, mm-hmm. I say that a lot. When I find myself at that place that all actors do, let's let the gods take over for a little bit. You know, I mm-hmm. don't have to know. In fact, when I look back at my career, all of the fun stuff, the really big stuff, it came out of the blue, out of nothing, out of no effort of me saying, okay, I'll make this. I mean, it was literally, they're all lightning strike moments. Well, I can't make it strike lightning. <laughs> On some level in that moment, I had to be open to, oh, Wow, okay. Never right, saw this one right. coming. Let's go do that. Yeah. Now, the, what, hearing you guys talk about this, it's bringing up the question for me, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, like for dozens and dozens of episodes, and we never seem to come to a place where it's like one way or the other. But what is your take on paid casting director workshops? A lot of actors are using these to get in front of the right people, and some actors get brought in, and even some get jobs out of it. But generally speaking... Is it a smart place to spend your time and money, in your your opinion? My golden rule is do what you love. Do what you love. If you love going to casting director paid workshops, if you love (laughs) paying your money and saying, here's our agreement. and I mean, because, you know, it only takes a few success stories for everyone to feel like that's the answer. Mm. I think that's a lot of wasted time and energy. Mm -hmm. I personally can't summon up much love for it. But what I do love is I do love doing the theater. I do love doing readings. I do love doing workshops of plays. I do love I, – I, when I was in New York and nothing was happening for me, I put together a Monday night reading series where we would just get together and read plays. Our first play was Othello. You know, and we just read and read that summer. And you know, the funny thing about this is everyone in that, in that group, and there was started with about 12 of us, got hired and had to leave. I was the only one around to, to show up on Monday nights. That was that Because ironic. we just, uh, you know. Yeah. But you know what? I wouldn't be an actor uh, who became a writer-director if there hadn't been a lot of character building along the way, which means I didn't get a lot of things. Uh-huh. 
I'd be, they, they can not hire you, but they can't stop you from becoming better. And so I would just keep getting better. And I never would have wrote a movie. I, I never would have sat down and wrote a movie if things had gone swimmingly. Right. So I, right. I got to embrace it. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll let Armin answer the question. But I just, I, for me, a golden rule is if you follow what you love where there's passion, you can inspire others. If you're just going there because you're a little bit desperate and everyone else is, and, you know, these all feel like the wrong reasons to do anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm convoluted by the question. Um, <laughs> I know I have a, a friend who went to one of those and became a series regular on a show <laughs> 15 years ago. So um, that story is in my head. I also know lots of people who spent their money and, and nothing has happened. Um, again, that's just luck. Um, I, I, I would, I suppose, it, if it's an avenue that that you think will be helpful and that you love, you should look into it. I, the caveat would be you should check out who they're inviting uh, to do these seminars. If it's the assistant to the casting director as opposed to the casting director themselves, then I would eschew them uh, because uh, um, I don't think those people have the power to do it. Remember, casting directors are simply the gatekeepers. They're very talented gatekeepers at times, but, but they only bring in the people that will eventually be chosen by by the director or the or the producers, um, so the assistant to the gatekeeper, I don't think has a lot of clout. But but it, but it, but if there's nothing else, it, it, if you've knocked on doors and done whatever you can, and and there's no other way, yes, look into it. And, and it may not be, as we've been discussing here, it, it may not be the actual doing of the scenes and the casting director seeing you that might get you something. It might very well be that the, some other actor in that same evening um, um, doing connects something with else, you connects with you, or yeah. says something in passing that you hear about, or introduces you to someone, or their agent came to see them, but they like you better. Any one of those thousands of, of, of different roads that could possibly happen, any one of those things could happen. So you just have to be open to 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 luck happening. Uh, I mean, um, one of the lucky things, very quickly, that helped my career in- enormously was my wife played baseball. My wife played baseball, and she she was new to, to L.A. when we moved from New York, and uh, and she got herself a, a position on a on a on an agent's all women's agent's baseball team, and one of the ladies on the team who played first base uh, uh, started her own agency and because she knew my wife and because she knew me uh, you know one asked us if we wanted representation that's what I mean it's just luck and you just have to leave yourself open to it so but you still have to leave you can't just wait for luck to happen in your living room you have to leave the house you have to go out and do things you have to meet people and if that's one of the ways you do it then that's what you have to do, hmm. and and but you have to like it. If you don't like it, if you if you're grudgingly handing the money over, Blake's right. Don't do it because you're not going to make any friends that way. Right, and that energy you'll be brought into the room. That's right, exactly. Underline everything that's that right. you. Wow, yeah. Okay. I, I I went to school with a girl who got out, and and I don't think she's still acting or anything. But I remembered in the first couple of years, she was an extra all the time, 
And literally every time she stepped on a set as an extra, she got an upgrade. She was one of those people. Um, she, it wasn't, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's because you're particularly beautiful or this and that. It was because of her energy. She was genuine. People liked her. She, she was fun to be around. If I worked as an extra on a show, I can guarantee you that they would not want me around and not want <laughs> me back. I did it once or twice, and we both, me and the energy that is being, you know, mm-hmm. a background artist, they, they just... It wasn't. It was mm-hmm. a bad mix, and I should not be around those shows, and they should not be around me. Hmm. So we just left it at that. But I tried it out. Yeah. I, I had to learn. <laughs> but I was like, I've learned everything I need from this one experience. <laughs> now it's just maybe I shouldn't try yeah. to kill everyone. <laughs> you know, this, this is this is really great because I'm starting to put something together in my head right now because I'm fresh off this news. I don't know if you guys saw this story that this this actress in in Joss Whedon's uh, Much Ado. Yeah was an extra on the set of the Avengers. And yeah. she just, he singled her out and he said, can you do this? And she said, sure. And then they, she got a close up in the movie and then he brought her into much ado. And now she's, her career's blown up and she's working with Joss Whedon. But, so, but, but what I'm, what I'm putting together now, and this, this don't is, read that stuff. <laughs> well, no, but what I'm putting together now is that I know seriously, uh, well, it was all over. It was all over. I, I read it too. I yeah. read it too. That stuff can make you miserable. Well, sometimes it works. I did a Josh Whedon Whedon project for three years. I was only supposed to be there for three episodes. Really? Yeah. I was only supposed to be there for three, and I ended up being there for three years. So the moral is work with Joss Whedon. No, the the moral is is do the best work you can, and and if people like Blake are open to seeing talent, they'll see it. Yeah. And and uh, authenticity wins the day. That's, that's yeah. That's, that's what authenticity. I'm, that's what I'm connecting is that if you if you love what you do, it doesn't matter what you're doing or what role. You could be the boom the guy holding the boom mic. You could be a sound guy. If you love it, it'll get you to the right place because that energy is kind of the unstoppable force of the universe working through you. I and you spend it, age, a long but, day with people. Yeah. And if you're rubbing shoulders with people, people find out what your real energy is pretty quickly. Actually. Yeah, especially on a film set, you you become a family or a yes. TV set or or geez, a, a cast of a theater show. Wow, or just not just the cast, but the crew and or the, the cast. crew. <laughs> yeah, everybody, stage manager, everybody included. Yeah, we get to know them well. Um, this is very cool. We're we're tight on time, so I should wrap this up. But um, we've already asked these questions to you, Blake. So I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna turn it over to Armin for yes. these two questions. And as often happens in these interviews, I feel like you may have already answered them, but. We have two questions we'd like to wrap up every every interview with. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, do you feel like this career path chose you, or do you feel like you chose it? Wow, that's a, that's an interesting question. I would like to think that I chose it. But because, again, going back to luck, I think it chose me. I think one of your early questions was, what keeps you going? And, and so that's why I think it chose me. Because at the moments when I should have quit, when I wanted to quit, it, it threw me a lifeline and reeled me back in. So to that extent, it chose me because there were lots of times when I was quite ready to do something else. And uh, I love doing what I do, but for financial reasons, for personal reasons, um, it looked like the wrong thing to do in the future. And then a miracle would happen and I would get, just get reeled back in. Wow. So you really felt like the universe kind of had your back in many ways, uh, it sounds uh, like. What Blake said earlier is what I've spent my life doing. I trust my luck. Hmm. Uh, I I trust that the universe will give me what it wants me to have. 
Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it's great. But I, I trust the universe to give me whatever it wants. And for the most part, I am enormously grateful. Wow. I'm going to ask us. I'm going to ask us a third question, but I'm going to drop it in right now because because now I'm I'm curious. And for both of you guys, why are you actors? Uh, you can answer that first, question. or or actors, filmmakers, and that. Thing. Um, I guess I'm an actor. Um, I think primarily because I'm overwhelmingly interested in people and why they do what they do and why things happen the way they happen. So uh, there's just a burning curiosity about being human hmm. that I think is at the root of it. Uh, I also think I'm limited. I, I perceive myself as limited at what else I would enjoy and, and be good at. So the, the playing field got narrowed. I mean, I thought about going into law and law school. I was a business major. I, I stuck my foot in a lot of different things, and, and nothing else um, touched me profoundly. Nothing else worked. And the third reason is because the high I get from doing it, um, you know, I think an athlete would say being in the zone or, or being, uh, you know, uh, to me, um, that 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 drug of being in the moment, uh, you know, theater's like church for me. Uh, it's a religious experience to be in that place with an audience and I'll be there, you know, we come in with the difference, all our thoughts and, and our days and what's going on and, and, and just culturally different. And yet we're all there with, the, you know, to a certain degree, attention paid to these words and these people saying them. Uh, uh, that's a drug that just uh, it sustains me. So mm. cool. I love storytelling. Cool. Um, I have come to the realization that um, if I never acted again, that would be fine. So um, why am I an actor? Uh, 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 it used to be a drug I needed to have. I needed to do it for my own creativity, for my own sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. As I've gotten older, I found those things coming from other things that I do. Uh, I could be perfectly happy from now on just being a teacher. I could be perfectly happy from now on just being a novelist. I could be perfectly happy from now on just helping to run a theater in North Hollywood. Uh, I no longer see myself as just an actor, nor, nor do I think that I get as much of a high as I used to. That said, I want to reiterate what Blake said, which is that, for the most part, theater is church for me, and that when I get to perform a a ceremony um, where I am the person bringing the audience into the right, um, I feel divinely touched. So that still excites me. But the truth is... I don't need to do it anymore. Um, I enjoy it when I get the opportunity, but I no longer feel that I must do it to define who I am. Hmm. I think a, a huge key to success, I think, my humble opinion, is sorting out your self-worth outside of this industry. 
I think as long as your yeah. self-worth is based on what people think of you in a room that you have uh, only a certain amount of control over, I, I think the actors that I see that have more success figure out their self-worth outside of uh, this business. Uh, that's just something that Armin touched on that I think you know I wanted to highlight. Yeah, yeah. Your, your self-worth is not tied to in any way to uh, success or failure. It, it, it is always telling to me very quickly uh, when you ask an actor how they're doing, they tell you your credits. Um, <laughs> what they shot last. What they shot last right. or what they were up for. What, or what, what they're auditions. in the mix for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the only breed of people that I know that do that. Um, and, um, but I think understanding your self-worth not only makes you a better person, but ironically makes you a better actor. Hmm. You may have just answered this third question, but uh, if you could pass on one nugget of wisdom or advice to an actor making their way through this industry, what would that nugget or advice be? Don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't know what I said last time, but I'm going to say invest 10% of every dollar you earn. <laughs> That's incredibly good advice. No, that, that, <laughs> Isn't that, that is incredibly, profound, yeah, so very profound. And, and uh, God bless Roy Cooper who gave me that freedom. advice at 35. Wow. Who, who said to me, Armin, you're an actor. You need to learn to save money. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> oh, awesome. Has anyone ever said that one? Uh, no, no, right, I love good. it. I love it. I, I love that because that is a concrete advice that we all should be doing. Absolutely. Guys, you, want, you want to be wealthy at 60, yeah. 70? Just start in your 20s. 10% of yeah. every dollar you earn, put it in the bank, and then you, you take care of the rest somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, um, Blake, we have, we, we've had you on the show so people know where to find more about out yep. more about you. Yeah. Armin, if people want to learn more about if you... If they want to learn more about me, I would recommend that they go to our theater site, which is www.antius.org. I'll spell Antius for you. It's A-N-T-A-E-U-S, Antius.org. Uh, that's the theater company I help run, where I have a production of The Crucible happening right now. And um, you'll not only see me, but you'll see some of the finest actors in L.A. Uh, written up there. So, yes, go to Antius.org. Cool. Great. Uh, personally, are you on Facebook? Dude, I'm not on you... Facebook, but I do have a Twitter account. That's a long story. But I do have a Twitter <laughs> account. And it's, it's under my name, uh, Shimmerman Armin. It's supposed to be okay. Shimmerman. Okay, cool. And, uh, Shimmerman underscore Armin? No, no, Just Shimmerman, Shimmerman Armin. At, at, at Shimmerman, Shimmerman Armin. Okay. And uh, you could. If I got to follow want, him. If you want to follow, that's where you'll follow me. Okay, cool. Great. Well, guys, thank you again so much for being here. This is really awesome. Um, I can't wait to get this out to our listeners. I know they're going to get a lot from uh, this chat. Uh, thanks. Cool. thanks. And they so should much, all Trevor. see Bold and Beautiful when it comes out. Yeah. Bold, and Bold and Beautiful. Sublime and the Beautiful. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Bold and Beautiful is a soap opera, right? We, well, Sublime and the Beautiful. Yeah, I've made that we'll, mistake many times. We'll put, we'll put up the link for the Facebook Oh, good, page. good, good, yeah. good. Great, great. Hey guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part three of our chat with Blake and Armin. Uh, more Armin in this one than Blake, but uh, awesome nonetheless. I love Armin's story. It's just really, it's really fun to hear that uh, at one point or another we've all really fucked things up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, 
So. Uh, I, I was going to say, and if you're listening to this, Armin, yeah. we're sorry to... Hey, he, by his own admittance, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> thanks so much, guys, and hope you, the listeners, enjoyed it. Let's uh, roll through our picks of the week. Uh, my, pick, my pick of the week is uh, very straightforward and simple. Comedians in cars getting coffee. They're actually in their quote-unquote second season now, which I think is funny that he's labeling it that way. But this is something that was created by Jerry Seinfeld, and... It's, it's really fun. It's really fun and really funny, <clears throat> and it's exactly what I just said. Comedians in cars getting coffee. So essentially, Jerry Seinfeld, like you know Jay Leno and 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 a few other celebrities out there, have a, like a, a ridiculous car collection. Ridiculous, like car all kinds of different uh, you know sports cars and awesome super cars and cars awesome and old classic cars and yeah. And what he does is he he he, he gets into one in the morning. Talks about the car, like, for a little while, like, introduces it, what it is, and all that. Then he goes to a comedian, like, a stand-up comedian's house, like, uh, Chris Rock or Don Rickle. I mean, just, like, all kinds of... Uh, David Letterman goes to their house and says, like, get in. We're going to get coffee, basically. They get in the car. They chat in the car. They chat at coffee. Um, each episode's about 15, 20 minutes long, and... They're hilarious. Yeah. So if you're into if you're into comedy or cars or I guess coffee, <laughs> then this show is for you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's not scripted at all, and it's it's yeah. kind of cool because Acura basically pays for everything. I guess there's like an Acura commercial before every episode. Oh, got and it. So I, I wonder who approached who. And said, "Let's make this a show." I think it was Jerry's brainchild. That's yeah. what I've heard after after um, seeing it and, and asking other people about it and that kind of thing. But it's cool. It's really, really, it's really fun. fun. Yeah. Really fun. It's cool just to see these super successful guys just hanging around shooting the shit. Yeah, and and they're so smart and quick and witty and and you know, it's just it's just cool to kind of spend time with those guys. You yes, know? yes, and that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, like you're spending yeah, it does. Time with and each episode's like what 12, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Awesome, dude. Uh, my pick is um, a piece of software that's been kicking around in my world for years that I've never taken the time to really delve into, but I finally sat down yesterday, actually, and did a Google search for GTD, getting things done, the GTD philosophy, plus this piece of software called Evernote to see how I could integrate the GTD philosophy with this piece of software. And after just a few hours of poking around, not even a few hours, like maybe one hour of poking around and getting some best tips and practices, I set it up. And just one day, I'm like totally sold on this system. And I'm still tweaking it. You know, it's only been a day, but I'm really loving just being able to offload my brain and have those things available to me on my Mac, on my iPhone, and just be able to check in with them via the context that I'm in. It's just, it's awesome. We can talk about it more in future episodes, but uh, Evernote, it's a free app. You can download it from the App Store on your Mac, App Store on your iPhone or your iPad. And uh, just uh, do a Google search. You know, I'll just include the link that I Yeah, found. I was going to say I would love to get that link from you because, uh, you know, as I, I think I talked about it on the podcast, but I've definitely been talking to you about it, implementing, you know, productivity systems into my life uh, right now. And yeah. I'm interested in using GTD. I'm also interested in using Things, which is a, a piece of software that's based on the GTD philosophy. And I've, I have Evernote, like everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's on my computer. It's on my phone. I just never use it and that's just silly yeah um and i know kind of what it does and there's people always coming up with new uses for it you know they have a podcast do they really the evernote guys have a podcast oh. where they talk about how they talk about like updates to the software they talk about how people are using the software you know uh, neat little 
you know, tricks that people are using to trick out the software, awesome. plugins awesome. for it, you know, other apps that work well with it, you know, things like that. So oh, it, that rabbit hole goes pretty deep. Awesome. Yeah. But, there's, there's a ton. I mean, you just type in Evernote into Google and just look at the results. <laughs> I mean, there's just tons of people that have written about different ways to use it and, and everything. So yeah, uh, GTD and Evernote, and I'll make sure I include uh, a link or two to, to articles that can teach you how to kind of integrate the two. Uh, products, philosophies, whatever you want to call That's them. That's great. Together. I can't wait to see yeah. that. But I'm I'm loving it. You, just a few hours, I was like, oh, I'm so enrolled <laughs> with this. This is great. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we, we also, also have a, yes. Go for it. We also have a listener pick of the week. <laughs> that was awesome. That was like in stereo. That Jeez, was. You owe me a coke. <laughs> we also have a listener pick of the week from Justin, who we talked about earlier in the episode. He sent us uh, uh, a listener pick of the week called Wineab. For busy people. For busy people. Uh, Or you need a budget. So we talked about, I talked about putting putting together a spreadsheet with uh, my budget a few episodes back. And this is a, it's what it seems to me is like just a cool hip. They're trying to make like budgeting cool and hip and fun Mm -hmm. because it's, to me, or in my experience, has never like been that way, or no one's ever really approached it in that way. And it's just, it just seems like a lot of fun. Ynab.com is the website, and Trevor and I just watched uh, their little pitch video, and it's really it's really cool. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a really useful thing, especially for people that don't want to put a ton of effort into figuring out this stuff. It looks like it's a great kind of coach for you know supporting you and just finding out how to balance things, you know, your budget and all that. Yeah. Looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. So YNAB.com. Yeah. And it looks like it, it's a, it's a paid service, but they've got a trial you can sign up for. And even if it's paid, I don't think it's much. It looks like it's totally worth it just to offload that stress, you know, outsource the uh, mental effort. Right. All right. So I think that does it then for episode 112. Uh, lots of ways for you guys to get in touch with us and support the podcast. You basically know where to go and what to do. So we won't cover it here because we got to wrap up. But um, thank you so much to those of you that support us on a recurring basis. Um, if you don't, you can, and you should, and uh, we'll see you on the internet, guys. So for uh, Cesar Camino, our technical producer, Jen Levin, our production coordinator, I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, you need a budget. You need a budget.